guys, you're listening to By the Glass with Maddie and Sophie. Where we sit down for a drink and chat all things womanhood, life in your 20s, career growth, mental health, unspoken topics, and everything in between. Honestly, we are just here to help you live your best fucking life. Hello, queens. Welcome back. Welcome back. How are you all? We hope you all had an amazing week. We are back in the studio this week and we have a interesting and I feel like very insightful mm. podcast this week. We're really excited about this one. Yeah, we had the amazing Mia Vickery on. So we'll get a little bit into who she is and what she, she does. does. Yeah. But uh, first of all, how are you, sis? How was your week? I, my week has been delightful. Oh, <laughs> we'd love to hear it. We'd love to hear it. It's usually one extreme or the other. Yeah. <laughs> usually I'm topping myself or I've had the best week of my life. So this week, you know, it's just been, it's just been nice. I've You're, just had a good week. Well, you are a free woman I after am. all. I think that's also, I've. I found it really weird. Mm. I'm like, so what do you guys do with your time? When you're like, not studying when your not, degree. Yeah, I'm like, so guys, like, what do you guys do? Like, do, you, do we just read books now? Like, what, what do, like, and I read anyway. So I'm like, there are only so many things I can do. Mm, it was so funny when you called me on maybe Sunday. Saturday. I, so it was Saturday. Saturday. So literally you had just, it was your first day free since finishing your degree. Yeah. Mind you, it's early. And you call me and you're like, so like, what do you actually do when you don't have anything <laughs> to do on a weekend? Like I'm, she's like, I think I'm bored. It's <laughs> like, I don't know. This this feeling is uh, it's very unfamiliar, very but unusual. I think I might be bored. I was like, just I'd done the washing. I, I was like, there are only so many I things like, I can do. This is when you start to take up what people might call a hobby. <laughs> I'm gonna have to start sewing. I need to. I might start a book club. So if anyone uh, out there has any recommendations of oh. a hobby I can start. Just let me know. Hey, I'd be there for a book club. I'm a big reader. I reckon we should host a book club someday. I I think so too. Because With all we this newfound time on your hands. <laughs> I just have to stay busy. I'm like, I can't ever have free time. Mm. But seriously, we should because mm. we both read. Mm. I'm into like, I never used to be. But ever since <laughs> TikTok, I have been reading like all of those TikTok books. Yeah. So, like, all the Colleen Hoover books. And I was so not into, like, romances. Or Never like, read them. No, I've always been into, like, obviously law stuff or, like, insightful documentary kind books, audio autobiographies. Like, yeah. and recently I've been delving in mm. to, like, the novels that are, like, a story. And it's really, really interesting. Mm, maybe we'll have to touch on a few little books we both read in an episode coming up and test the waters of the book club. <laughs> It might be a flop. (laughs) But how was your week, darling? I had a great week. The highlight was definitely our girls' Christmas party we had on the weekend. It was so beautiful. Oh, wasn't it just the best? I freaking love Burt's. It's just one of the nicest venues in Sydney. I'd never been. Mm. And we were saying the whole time, basically, that we were there was me and Soph had recently stayed at the Beverly Hills Hotel and we were like, it is 
so similar. It's giving Beverly Hills giving Hotel vibes. Beverly Hills Hotel. Just like the whole like green aesthetic. Mm, yeah. The touches of pink. The the waitresses, the mm, waiters. Yeah. Just everything just mm. reminded me so much of it. It just felt felt good to be back. Yeah. I know. After I left there, I was like, wow, I really do think I have a calling to be in LA. <laughs> yeah. Literally, I'm LA like, is calling. LA is calling. <laughs> Gotta get me out of here. <laughs> But yeah, it was so beautiful. And we went to, I think it was Newport Arms after. Yeah, so it's yeah. kind of, all, for those of you who haven't been there, it's kind of all under the same owner, I believe. So there's Burt's and then you go downstairs into the Newport Arms Hotel and yeah. it's just beautiful there, isn't it, it? It's just so green and lush and overlooks all the ocean. It's honestly yeah. stunning. If anyone is looking for a girl's Christmas party mm-hmm. and you all like to be wined and dined and just have a really nice time together, mm. go to Burt's for lunch have an amazing amazing mm. lunch and then pop yourself down for some drinks at newport mm-hmm. arms it's just like the perfect day it was a bad day to be a margarita it was a very bad day <laughs> to be a margarita and they've got those um frozen they've got like these frozen drinks oh yeah how were they i didn't have any oh, the frozen passion fruit long island and i'm not a tequila drinker oh, really? but my lord it was a bad day to be one. <laughs> I mean, it was so windy. We weren't allowed to have the um the good old umbrellas up without getting into a bit of trouble. But, oh, well, the rest is history. Well, you know what? That's what I'm grateful for this week is all you girls just having everyone together. It's actually so rare to have everyone together all in one room, especially yes. now that we're all getting older and we've all kind of moved around so much. And, yeah. you know, people have been living overseas and... All sorts of things. So, yeah, I feel like I'm really just so thankful for all of my friends. And to be able to just, like, it's so bizarre sitting in a room and looking around and being like, oh, my God, the gang is actually all here. Back together again. We're all back together, which is nice because it was like that at your wedding too. Mm, So I feel like we've just got to keep it up. We always say this. Yeah, I know. Famous last words. Famous last words. We did, I mean, we tried to plan a gold trip, coast, gold coast trip once. Well, we've got Ibiza, baby. Yes, Next very year. true, very true. I feel like the older we get, we get mm. the more inclined we are to just be like, oh, fuck it, let's go. Yeah, so nice. exactly. What about you? What did you learn this week or what are you grateful for, Mads? Oh, gee. I mean, you're really putting me on the spot. Considering we do this segment every week, <laughs> I should, should have something planned. Should be more prepared. Um, what have I learned this week or what am I grateful for this week? Okay, you know what I have learned? I have learned, and if you don't already know this, the ferry from Edelong to Palm Beach is only 20 minutes. Because <laughs> I, I actually did not know that. Yeah, it's so close. It's Palm Beach is pretty much the same. Like, it's right next to the Central Coast, but you just have to, when you drive, you just have yeah. to go all the way around the I, freeway. Like, if you're on the boat, you just... Go straight over. Yeah. Well, I know that's a really shit one this week, but <laughs> but it is. It is something that I learned. I mean, without thinking too deeply into my week. Mm, yeah. But nice one. Anywho, we will give a little bit of a background about Mia because mm-hmm. we go straight into the interview with her and she mm. gives some really insightful information. Mm. So we didn't want to take up too much of her time by giving you guys a recap. So we will just tell you what she is all about so basically Mia Vickery is the owner of the MIA group Mm -hmm. and so MIA group 
is essentially like a communications agency. Yeah. So they do everything from PR to digital marketing, um, social media, they manage influencers. And yeah, it's really cool seeing what Mia's done because also coming from like a marketing background myself, she's absolutely killing it. Like, oh, it's unbelievable. Oh, just seeing what she does, like it, it would be so much work and so hard, but she, she's got some massive clients, which she talks about in the yeah. interview, but yeah, like we said, we do, we know her from growing up on the central coast and she's still only quite young. I think she's only like a couple of years older than us. Yeah. So it's just so nice to see people and doing so well. To be ha- to have the business that she has at her age and not only that, you mm. she started from nothing. I mean, mm. in her about us, it literally has that she had less than $50 to her name when mm. she started. And mm. that is just to mm. watch. She is a girl boss. Like mm. she has just built an empire. She's mm. amazing. Mm. So I think it's just really, really nice to mm. hear a sto- hear those success stories of people that have just mm. buckled down. Mm, for sure. Made it work. And I feel like a lot of people I know or a lot of people we know might who might even be listening, a lot of people are interested in sort of the PR world and the marketing and the journalism. Yeah. So if you're thinking about this indus- industry or you're studying it or you're thinking about getting into it, it's really, yeah, yeah, I found it really interesting listening to Mia and her insights. And also, I guess, the the lows that mm. come with starting a business and how hard it actually is mm. as, you know, she was 24 when she started mm. to be, you know, just a young 24 year old. People don't really take you seriously mm. to what she has built in three years mm. is actually like, it's, it's a lot. Mm. I look up to her a lot myself. So, yeah. So anyway, we hope you enjoyed the episode and uh, let us know what you think. Yes. I will welcome Mia. Hi, thank you for having me. We are so excited to have you as our first guest. Our very first guest to buy the gloves. You are the first. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I feel really, like, really lucky. That's that's really nice. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no, we were so excited to get you on because we really, when we were thinking about people that we wanted to interview, we just wanted to get people that, you know, are real go-getters and they're sort of killing it in their careers and mm-hmm in all different industries so yeah we're very happy to have you and I feel like we've seen you like start your business from scratch as well and built it to what it is so mm-hmm. I think us posties all kind of have each other's back in a way which is really nice so yeah you have I think I met you girls when was it like 18 or yeah yeah so, I know I feel like we've all kind of seen each other grow up together as well Yes, the good and the bad and the ugly that you're now. Yeah, we've made made it somewhat. <laughs> we've survived. Yeah. Oh, but can you talk us through a little bit about like how you got into the industry and the type of jobs you were doing like before you got to where you are now? Yeah. So I think from a really young age, I was very adamant that I would be a television journalist. So a lot of people don't know that my dad was actually 
an undercover investigator. So he was a news source for Channel 7. Uh, so um, all the producers at Channel 7 would go to my dad for the top stories. And I think that was lucky for me because it gave me an immediate in into an industry that was very competitive and cutthroat, especially when it comes to television journalism. Like you can't get any more competitive than that. I don't know what I was thinking, but um, yeah, I got an immediate in. It was, it was great. I worked at Sunrise, Weekend Sunrise. I was destined to be sitting on the couch with Koshi. It's all I wanted. Like I was like, nothing, nothing else. You don't understand. This is it. <laughs> I was like, this is everything. Um, I was very attracted to the glitz and the glam of it. I loved working with people. I loved media. I just felt like it was something I would be really good at. Um, I then took, um, so I was doing a journalism degree for four years. I did, I, I worked at Burita Satu, which is uh, News One in Jakarta in Indonesia. So a newsroom over there. And I reported on every corruption story you could imagine. Mm -hmm. I lived there for eight months. They put me through intense language courses and I was thrown in the absolute deep end. Uh, came back, worked with Fitzy and Whipper and Although I loved uh, journalism, I knew I couldn't work in it and it was purely because news was so negative. Mm -hmm. Like I would find, I think we all can agree, like when you go on social media or Instagram, although it's great, you do leave feeling a little bit like, you know, majority of the time you, it does have a negative connotation, especially consuming news, like hard news, like at 6pm. Um, and I just felt like it was really negative and I couldn't see myself being inspired every day and actually loving my job. And second to that, I also really felt like it was dying. Journalism was dying. And I was at an age where I think at 18 to 21, uh, everyone was going on. Like, so this is about nearly 10 years ago. Everyone's on social media then. Like that was where it was taking off. So I could see digital marketing was everything. So I was sitting in the middle of, um, okay, I really want to be a television journalist, but is this going to be relevant in 10 years? And two, does it inspire me? And the experience was good because it didn't. Um, so I took a role in New York where very random, worked for the largest dog walking company in the globe and did their digital marketing. <laughs> so random. Um, I met the Sex in the City producer. Their dog was a famous dog. I did all flash mobs with dog walkers on Times Square <laughs> and I, I know it's so random and my creative side just shone like I just fell in love with uh, the creative side of uh, communication and yeah that's when I knew I came back from uh, I came back to Sydney I got a job at a very small PR firm very I learned everything I knew uh, everything and I think PR really gives you the foundations of uh, I guess a professional you know you, you're prompt you're professional you, you understand good relationships I learned everything I knew but um, I could see the gap that sat in between traditional media uh, these traditional PR agencies were very good at storytelling but they didn't know how to make their clients money they would say oh okay you got me in a magazine but how much money did you make me and they, they just never knew whereas the digital agencies were so good at uh, data mining but they knew nothing about storytelling and being creative so that's kind of where um, Mia and my group was born because I wanted to sit in between I wanted PR specialists and I wanted digital specialists so we could fit right in the center of that and here we are <laughs> your whole New York story just reminds me, reminds me so much of Emily in Paris 
I know. Isn't that crazy that you actually like lived that? Yes, no, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I actually wanted to move there, but um, yeah, I love Sydney. It's very me and like you girls know, the central place was only like an hour and a bit away to be with your family, but yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you talk about how you were working in the journalism world and then you kind of moved more into PR because also coming from a PR background, I feel like you would have known kind of like what journalists were looking for because you had worked on that side as well. So it's like yeah, you would have kind of with the PR angle, I guess, would have known like how to get your clients on TV and make them money, but you also would have known like what the media actually want. For sure, absolutely. The best PR specialist that I know, and when COVID hit, um, I actually hired uh, a lot of journal. Like I would get a lot of contractors as journalists because they know the industry so well. They know what's hot. They know how to spin it. And yeah, you're absolutely right. It does. It's given. It's made the world of a difference. I think. I hope. It's so (laughs) weird that you did because I also did a journalism degree pre-law. Yeah, so I, yeah, so I wanted to do, I was the same. I wanted to be like a journalist. I wanted to be for a short period of my time. Oh. And I did the degree and I just didn't, it wasn't for me either. Didn't, like didn't take it. To didn't it. like, and it's so hard because you do this degree and you probably would have felt it too and you want something. And then when you, you have the hex debt and you just look at it and go, I don't want to do that. No. It's so scary. And that's why it work experience is everything because if I didn't, I mean, I worked for three years for free. I was interning everywhere. Mm. I know, yeah, I just, and it was the best thing I ever did because it allowed me immediately to go, okay, can I see myself working in this every day? Because I'm a passionate person. I can't just go and do a job nine to five and go home. I need to do something and feel motivated and inspired and it was the best thing I've ever done yeah experience because you know it's not like a like a degree it's never the same no I feel like you don't yeah like you said you don't actually really know until you're on the job and even at the time when you're interning just like slaving away you're like oh my god but it always it ends up being worth it because then you I feel like you figure out more what you don't want yeah more so than yeah I even (laughs) I this was in uni so it was a subject but it was the only subject that made me go. And of course it was in like my second or third year where it was no point in me just quitting then because I nearly already had the degree was where we had to go out into the public and we were getting used for like this intern thing. And we had to start interviewing random people. Oh, and I, I do that as well. I, love I was like, <laughs> I don't want to do this. How awkward. I'm not doing this. And I was like, and then I just was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, I actually don't want to do this anymore. Oh my God. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. I mean, I loved that side of it. I remember that. I think we might've done the same um, course or something, but I remember that and I interviewed a homeless man on the side of the road and did a story on that. And, but I agree, it it absolutely tests you and it allows you to know exactly what you want to do. And if I didn't do that, I probably would not be here. And I, 
I don't know, I probably would be working for someone and very miserable. <laughs> well, I remember working on a photo shoot with you, like in the early days when you first oh, started. So early days. Now I Sophie, that was so bad. No, it wasn't. It was literally early days when you just started media and action. And I just remember thinking, like, good on you for like going out on your own. Because I know you've been working at the agency before that. And like I feel like it would have taken a lot of courage to like see what was needed and then just start a business at a young age. Like what led you to starting yeah, that? Was I guess? there at one point in your old job? that I yeah. know you saw the gap that you were like, oh, God, I think I'm going to do it. Like, I'm done. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Um. Yes. I knew I needed to be my own boss because I loved having my own flexibility to do what I wanted. Like, I've created a life where I really can do what I want every day. And it's, yeah. it's taken a long time to get there, but um, I think I am that type of person. Uh, but I, I knew I needed to start it when... I saw that gap and it's worked. I know that what the business model that I identified actually works because I started my business pre-COVID. So brands would not be paying me during COVID if, if I wasn't making the money full stop. Yeah. The fact that we we got through and, you know, we've got Christian Louboutin, Crown Group, Sky Suites, Casio Music, brands that I would only ever dream of working with, for them to pay me during two huge lockdowns when... Um, People couldn't even pay rent. I think that proved that the business model worked. So um, I knew in my gut, and I think, look, I was 20, 24, um, probably like how old you, you guys are now. I think 25, yeah. Yeah. I, I was very ballsy. I look back on look back now and I was like, wow, like I don't know why why I was so motivated. I don't know what you gave me, mum and dad in my tea when I was young. But I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want what she's having. Yeah. <laughs> But I just felt, you know, I sat, it was, it really came about with the PR agency. I, I sat there and I could see clients spending nearly $10,000 plus a month on a PR retainer. And the, the clients would constantly say to them, okay, this is all well and good, but what has it got me? You know, you got me in the Daily Telegraph as a Sydney Confidential and the exclusive, whatever, but how much money did you make me? And they could never answer it and they couldn't keep the retainers consistently. Whereas um, then I worked in a digital agency and uh, in New York and I could just see I was telling the digital marketers what to do because they didn't have that creative spin. You know, when you look at advertising on your phone and it's not relatable and it just looks like a terrible ad and you're not converting, you need yeah. a creative brain behind that. So I really wanted to merge the two and it, it works wonderfully. And the best example I can give you is we worked for Cancer Council and we were raising... Um, funds for cancer and we did a really big campaign and we uh, got them on sunrise and they did five live weather crosses peak timing we had a million people on the website but because we were doing the advertising as well as the PR we had all the systems set up and the tracking and pixel set in place so that every single person that went onto the website we could actually like actually monitor that data and convert that into real dollars if that makes sense because they were advertising campaigns so it was merging the PR the power of mass people and then um, the digital side being able to actually what are we going to do with this data that you know we've generated so it sits in the middle there kind of if that makes sense Sophie <laughs> may know a little bit more about this than what I do so this is why I'm so interested because <laughs> PR, I haven't personally worked directly for a PR agency. I feel like you'd be really good. I just feel like I just have this 
idea of what they do like I just have this like oh yeah I think I think that goes there I think that's what they do in a day it probably looks all glitz and glamour yeah, but I do it is hard work yeah so <laughs> I like I want to know like what a typical day does look like like or a week even or like I know that they may all be different but fill me in because I'm like oh my god all this amazing stuff happens but like how not what we post on Instagram at all <laughs> I mean, look, my clients, a lot of my clients actually sit in the social media management field, but we do have a lot of PR clients. Um, every single day is different and you can't train PR. I mean, you, you, you can, but you've really got to have a knack with people and you've got to be strategic and you've got to know, okay, if I'm working with this influencer, how can I diversify that and get them to wear these shoes whilst they're with that brand? And it's it's just a, it's a never-ending cycle. Um, it's exciting, it's fun, but it is absolutely hard work and you have to be on your A-game 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm someone that really likes balance and routine. If I don't have it, I, I, I struggle. So... Um, of course, in the first, because this is my third year, the, it's only been this year that I probably finally had a routine and I've been able to, you know, if I want to wake up and sleep in at 10 a.m. and go to yoga, I can now, but I never had that. Um, but, yeah, every day is different. I would I'd wake up. I'm a morning person. I have to, have to, have to, have to exercise in the morning. We'll come in if we've got a photo shoot. Um, I will go through all of the girls with agendas with their clients, so like a work in place progress agenda and go through you know what's coming up uh what's currently in the pipeline and then how can we you know re-strategize how can we you know get clients front of mind whether it's on social influences pr or advertising going how's their social media going how's the creative team going how many posts are going out it's just it's never moving parts yeah sounds like there's so many moving parts there's so many moving parts, but the, the the best secret to success is having people that know what they're doing. Mm. Because I am like I, I love helping people, and I I believe in people. But you just you, and it's really nice, and that's great. But when you're hiring someone at a medium to a senior level, that you can't be not like it's all well and good to be nice, but you've got to know what you're doing because we yeah. don't like to be besties, which has been hard for me, but. When you have a good team and a good system, things flow. Mm, wow. Yeah. Well, just say if there's anyone listening right now, because um, I know you work with like all these different clients and all the time. So I was just wondering, like, if there's anyone who is listening, just say they've started their own business or they're like offering a service or you know, building a personal brand or something, like what would be your main tips? Even for us. Yeah. What would be your main tips for getting your name out there, growing on socials, anything really? Um, So if you're a big business, I mean, like if you've got money behind you and you're a big business, I would say you have to invest in uh, content and advertising, bottom line. You're competing with brands that and individuals that have so much money that us that are just saturating our algorithms that you just it's actually nearly impossible to get front of mind to be honest um but uh so if you're a big business you absolutely have to be investing in content photo shoots and advertising but if you're new look there I shouldn't say that because there are you know I know so many people that have you know started with nothing and Mm -hmm 
something incredible, but you just have to be absolutely on it. Like what I was saying to you girls at the beginning, if you believe your your service offering or your key point of difference is really different, like what you girls are doing, I think I, I haven't heard about it. I think it's great. Um, you know, helping women in their twenties, midlife quarter life crisis every day, all day. Then push that across and get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Like yeah. you do really good with social media, so you know how to get in front of a camera. You know, you know how to work with social media. You should be on TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. You know, you should really be getting a consistent uh, theme of being everywhere, making sure your content is never ending. Invest in advertising, even if it is. Uh, a $50 boosted post to people with that share similar commercial priorities to what you're trying to target, you will reach new people and they could download. So um, advertising as well. And I think in a position like yours, getting people who uh, can come on and reach out to their audiences as well. So um, so they can do the marketing for you. Mm. Yeah. God, you yeah. just sound good to know. We need, we, we, we need a media group. <laughs> Uh, I'd love to help you girls. No, I will I'll definitely keep an eye out for things and send it your way for sure. <laughs> oh, sounds good. Well, it's like you were saying, I feel like social media has literally changed so much since we've all been on it. I mean, there's just like so many different platforms now. Like everyone's just meant to keep up. And now with TikTok, I feel like Oh, like I love TikTok and there's so much potential with it, but it definitely, it's different to Instagram. You can't just like put mm-hmm. up a post and it's done. It's like, you really have to it's like, like every day. Yeah. And, and if you're it like glues you to your phone even more. And I mean, I love TikTok, but yeah, it's definitely, uh, it takes a lot more. And it's weird. Because I feel like we are the generation that essentially started, so not started social media, but like we Grew were like the it. teenagers that yeah. got it, that when we were like, 15 yeah and then like grown up with it ever since yeah like we've seen it go literally from nothing where it started yeah into like huge well you can't imagine life without it Mm. and I feel like so many people are so overwhelmed with what to do with it all so like what would be your main tips for like managing and repurposing content across all channels really So I think it really depends on what industry you're in. For instance, um, Crown Group, one of our uh, real estate clients, they don't need to be on TikTok. This is really what's after millennial Gen Z. I think I'm like cross Gen Z and millennial. What is it, Gen Z? Yeah, it's Gen Gen Z. Gen Z people, they're not going to be purchasing properties. You shouldn't be on there. Don't waste your your time, your resources, your money. I think people become so overwhelmed and stressed out that they should be on everything when really they don't need to be. I think you just need to be aware of where your audience sits. So, um, you know, for, for you girls, of course, your audience is Instagram and probably TikTok. So, you know, and know, and know that and don't stress about Facebook or LinkedIn or all these other platforms, you know, just really I understand where your audience sits on what platforms and do them well mm-hmm. and you know, do them really well. You know, look into the insights, look at, um, 
you know, when is your peak engagement, when is your least peak engagement and work around your strategy on what that's telling you and what your audience is telling you. And um, in, like I said at the beginning, investing in content shoots is so important. I think um, big ones allow you to crop edit, you know, graphic design, Canva is your best friend. You can, you know, manipulate images in so many different ways that you could have content for days. So I would be doing a really big bulk shoot, creating so many different scenes from one shoot and then actually, you know, monetizing that and making it separated in many different ways that you have content for a duration of period and then really nailing the platforms where you see your audience sit. Do you find it hard because you were were one of the first agencies that started managing micro-influencers, weren't you? Yeah. I think so. Who knows? But let's say that, yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought I thought so. Mm. Yeah. Um, do you find that harder than managing managing like larger influencers? Like, what do you find harder? No, I think micro influencers are fantastic because they. I've got to be careful what I say, but. Um, <laughs> That, no, they're, they're incredible. They value work so much that that they don't necessarily get as much money as macro influencers. So when they are posting or you're working with a micro influencer, they go above and beyond. Like you won't believe, you get such a great uh, whether it's two tier content creation or if it's looking at insights from um, what they've posted. I think. When you do work with a micro-influencer, majority of the time from what I've experienced, their insights are stronger because it's more organic and we are in a generation where I think we know when we're seeing an ad. We know when someone's being paid. We're like, okay, all right, Hayley Bieber's posting about this. Chanel perfume, of course, she's going to be paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. So let's keep going. Whereas if it's your friend or your sister, you see and you're like, oh, like, and you can relate a bit more. So I think that's the power of micro-influencers, they're just relatable and they're organic and I think people trust them. So that would be, that's what I have noticed and they go above and beyond. Like, I mean, I've, we've got people that are posting from like last year about the same product that they just do it every, all the time. So, um, but the macro-influencers, they're very beneficial as well. Um, yeah. But a lot of pros, it's just weighing up what's better for the client. But if it's a if it's a budget client and they are struggling uh, you know, with with investments and big tier investments, then micro influencers are fantastic. And I feel like if you can almost have more, then it's like more content. If there's like lots of smaller people doing it, then okay. it's like yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We um. Well, I've seen through people who have started businesses and whatnot, you know, reach out to very large influencers and, you know, they've accepted a job or been paid and then not executed it. And I feel like in that space, because technique, like you don't really have binding contracts when you're just paying someone for a post, really there's not much you can do about it. I know. Yeah. I mean, we do. I made sure that we had contractual agreements and I think that was our really big uh, key point of difference when I would go to do proposals. A lot of agencies would, yeah, like you said, fluke it and, you know, $1,000 for a post, whatever it might be. Um, but what we do is we, we have to make sure that we are, one, analysing the influencers' insights if we are not seeing them and they are not aligning to what they say because there are a lot of fraudulent accounts up yeah. there. 
yeah. uh, which is really scary, mm-hmm. um, then you need to be careful. So you need to analyze the insights. They might look glossy on the outside, but you never know. It could be a robot account. So yeah. analyze the insights. They have to sign the dotted line, especially when money's involved. Yeah. Um, and they need to be, you know, ag- agreeing to uh, pay- payment terms, um, delivering content that an account manager can review. You know, you've really got to be careful because, yeah, a lot of people do abuse and, you know, cannot deliver on it, which is becoming a theme. So contract. Yeah that's what I had found has been becoming a theme like people are just reaching out and being like oh I'll transfer you a hundred bucks I'll transfer you a thousand dollars and I'm just like where's the contract like, I think too because I'm a lawyer in you I think because I come from a law I'm just like oh it's like you would be very good in this industry I feel but um yeah you would yeah this isn't right no but you absolutely uh, having contracts and uh, making sure that it's all in writing. Otherwise, you've got uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm all about an email thread. Mm. Yeah. Email thread, have it on email, and you're safe. Absolutely, Every, everything in writing. There's yeah. no ver- there's no verbal agreements here. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, I agree. Yeah, I feel like there. I don't know. I guess it's like one of those things you just learn the hard way. I guess oh, like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, to finish off, Mia, what are some of the most important industry lessons you've learned that you wish you could have told your younger self? If anyone's listening, thinking about getting into doing what you're doing, what would you tell them? Um, Probably what we said at the beginning, Sophie, you've got to have thick skin. And it's been, to be honest, really hard for me. I'm an emotional person. I'm quite sensitive. So uh, you've got to just really not take things personally. I wish I knew that early on. Um, You can't take things personally. Business is business at the end of the day. And it's it's not to do with you. It's to do with what's best for the business. Um, And if you do really want to start a business, you have to get, like I said, comfortable with the uncomfortable. There was a there was a point and I remember it was so bad and my bookkeeper said to me, I think you should go and work for someone. And I had $200,000 in overdue invoices. And this was before I had, I know, me on my own in my stiletto heels, like, ah. um, I, it, was, it was bad. And I, just, I don't know how I got to that position. And um, of course, they were all paid, but the anxiety that comes with that and not having systems in place um, like, for instance, now all my clients are on direct debit, you know, and it's the way it is. And thank God for that. But, you know, you've got to really know what you're doing and going into because I was very naive and I really knew nothing about business. But I learned I was very resilient um, and I learned to have thick skin. But you, you've really got to you do your research and look into your industry and absolutely love what you do you've got to you've got to be passionate about it you've got to have that key point of difference because at the end of the day it, it can take I reckon three to five years of just blood sweat and properties in order to get to where you want to be and yeah. uh, I can confidently say like yes I've finally got to that position but there was there were a lot of dark times and it was really hard but if you love what you do and you believe in it and your gut says Y-E-S, then go for it. But just be aware of what's going to come. And if you love it, you will get through. That was that resonates so much even with us starting this podcast was because it is such a hard pill to swallow that people are not going to like you and they're not going to like what you yeah. do. And and that's well, yeah. Yeah. And 
it's just like oh you just have to have thick skin mm-hmm. and I we were even like tossing up in the very early days because we had planned it for so long in the very early days of like oh god what are people gonna say like and I think it's yeah I agree. I mean, I as soon as I put it out there, I just kept putting it out there. I was like, okay, no turning back now. Yeah. Um, that was in night. I was very, very young. What I have learned in three years, I reckon, has put me forward 20 years if I had worked for someone. Like, yeah. the things I have been through, the, the people I have met, the positions I have been in, I could never imagine, but I managed to get out of, you know, situations like I said where people weren't paying me but that was because I needed to put my foot down or I wasn't on my A game and I just had systems in place but like I said I I believed in what I was doing I I knew in my heart that um I really wanted this and I really wanted to create a life that I loved and to do something that I was inspired every day and I kept going and here we are did you ever find it hard because I often do in like professional spaces as well is that sometimes people think you're young you're oh, yeah. women, you just on hair that can help. you're on the back end blonde hair does not help blonde hair yeah <laughs> seriously it, it's, it's, like, a thing. it's a thing it you is. have to walk in and show your a-game because you just get taken for you just take for a ride on um, absolutely. I think the the biggest one for me was I was doing the marketing for a cafe and this cafe was going bananas. We were doing influencer marketing and Sasha, who blessed me, has been with me from the beginning. Um, she has been the most incredible, like my ride or die. Um, and she's believed in me so much that she's just stuck with me. And I think she's never leaving. She's not allowed. And um, <laughs> she was doing such a good job that the CEO of Crown Group actually noticed in his retail center who was doing the marketing for this cafe because everyone's coming here. And anyway, he invited me for coffee and we went to so Crown Group, the biggest construction company in Australia nearly a billion dollar uh, business, um, invited me for coffee and I thought it was just coffee and I walked into a boardroom of about 15 men um, all sitting there saying, what are you going to do for Crown Group, Sky Suites and all of our retail centres because we want you to do all of the marketing. And I was absolutely beside myself. (laughs) At 24, I was in my business for three months. Um, he was my golden ticket. I knew it. And he won, if he, if he ever heard this, with Novan, and I've got a great relationship with him. Um, yeah. But he said they all sat there and there was, yeah, 15 men and they were all, you know, I'm blonde. I'm talking about influencer marketing. And they're like, what? Like, yeah, these, these um, are men that are just like, pardon? What, what, what's an influencer? Absolutely. And every single person on that table told him not to go ahead with me and to go ahead with someone else. And he said, no, I'm going with Mia. I've knew deep down. Yeah. Yeah. And three years later, he's, um, we've been working with uh, him. We do partnerships with Hugo Boss, Christian Louboutin for his VIP clients. Mm. Um, and these are, you know, people that invest over $15 million annually. So, mm. uh, yeah, you've just, uh, it's hard. A lot of people don't believe in you, but there's always someone that does and you've got to believe in yourself. And I think that just will shine at the end of the day. There's one person in a room that believes in you. You find Lady yourself too. Yeah, I think if you fake it till you make it, you walk in and you keep your head high. I kept doing that. Yep. Yep. 
doing that. I don't know where I got that confidence from, but I can I, for some reason too, like in a professional space, I could be shooting myself. <laughs> but as soon as you walk into that room, you're just like, yep, I'm good. I, I don't know this. what I'm talking about. Absolutely. No, for sure. That's the secret. Absolutely. And I, I've done that and I still do. Um, but you've got to believe in yourself. And I think it's really obvious to people if you do. It reflects on them and reflects on the work. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, congratulations on yes, all, Mia. It's amazing. Like, I just, like, I can't even wait to watch even more what you do it's amazing uh and I think I want to I think I'm very comfortable with where it's at because I want that work-life balance and I want to be a mom and I want to have a beautiful family and I want to be able to come into my office and someone's running it and it's not out of control I want I want that balance and I think I found that I mean yes hell yes lots of more clients and probably a little bit of a bigger team Uh, but I love where it's at and it's any bigger, I think I wouldn't be able to have my my balance of life. Even looking at your office, like, I'm just like, wow, it's I amazing. I was saying to me when we first got on, it's I was exciting. like, beautiful. Oh, oh my God. Work there. Yeah. Hey, you got any spaces available? <laughs> <laughs> oh, where can everyone find you, Mia? Um, personally or the business? Both. Both. Okay, um, Instagram, oh, all the channels, like I said before, because unfortunately my business needs to be on all the channels. Um, but um, Mia Vickery and then, of course, um, MIA Group and maagroup.com.au. Send me an inquiry. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for coming on, Mia. We loved chatting with you. Yes, you are amazing. You two are amazing, and I'm sure this is going to be a huge success. I have all the faith in the both of you. Oh, thank you. Oh, We're a bit worried, you. but we hope so. We'll get there. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> oh, well, have a lovely evening. And thank you. I will speak to you both too. Thank you. Bye. Bye.